Who say does that star-spangled banner yet Tropicana Field for today's baseball game between the Pittsburgh Pirates and your very own Tampa Bears. Well, unfortunately, that's not going to happen today. Ladies and gen gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking. This is your host, Larry Franken on what is supposed to be opening day in Major League Baseball. Unfortunately, it's no secret to anyone that there will be no regular season baseball game today. Many networks are doing replays of games, which I think is a terrific idea if you love to watch some old baseball games like I do. Uh, but on a day which was supposed to be a very special day. The, I remember growing up, opening day baseball was like the Super Bowl to me. It, it's, it's like a holiday. You know, you skip work, you skip school, uh, whatever it is. You know, I, I have an amazing wife, an amazing wife. You know, I remember one year I said, okay, you know what? I write my own schedule. This is no big deal. What I'm going to do is I'm in Gainesville, Florida. All places, Gainesville, Florida. The Ray, uh, This was years back before we went to uh, opening day games. Uh, the last two years, which I'll get into, we went to opening days. But, you know, I said to myself, you know what? Nobody's around. She ain't going to find me. I'm going to go into this nice sports bar in, uh, in Tampa. Excuse me, in Gainesville. To watch the Rays play. Uh, I believe it was Miller Ale House over in Gainesville on Archer Road. I said, ah, this is a no place. My wife will ask me later how the day goes. And I'll just go over there and watch, you know, watch baseball and tell her the day was great. Well, I go to sit down. It's about 15 minutes before game. I order a beer. I look to my right and my wife is sitting next to me. Because she wanted to watch the game also. And she wrote her own schedule. Now that's a wife. Oh, yes. Opening day. Opening day. I remember so many magical moments about opening day. Um, I remember when I was a kid and 
We had something that some of you millenniums won't understand. They call transistor radios. And when I moved from New York to Massachusetts, I, I couldn't listen to the Met. Well, it was difficult to listen to Met games. I was a big Mets fan at that time. And I would listen on AM radio. I remember the station in New York. And it would come in real staticky. Real staticky. And what I would do is I would put my ear as close to that radio as possible to try to make the words out of the great announcing trio of Lindsey Nelson, Bob Murphy, and uh, Ralph Kiner. See, when you lived in New York, which I did the first 13 years of my life, it was incredible. You had those three on one side, and if you turned to WPIX TV or radio, you had... You know, you had Phil Rizzuto doing the game with Bill White. So you, you couldn't go wrong. You had unbelievable play-by-play -play and color analysts doing these games. It's incredible. That's opening day. You, you wake up early. You have breakfast. You go down to the games. And in Tampa Bay, when I lived in Tampa, me and my wife, we, we would make it a thing. Since we were married, we would go to uh, Homo, uh, I'm sorry, the first series of the year that was home so for example this year we're not in tampa now and even if we were we wouldn't have obviously been able to do so because of the coronavirus but we would have been if the games were going on at the first four games versus pittsburgh last year we did it versus the astros the year before versus the red sox that's opening days you go out about three four hours early you go down to ferns which has the best wings over there near the Tropicana Field, and you indulge in these wings that look like turkey drumsticks. You get, and then you drink some beer, and then you go watch a game, a full game. Opening day, there is nothing like it. Everybody's excited about opening day. Unfortunately, as we spoke uh, a couple of minutes ago, there won't be any baseball, but we're going to try to make this show as fun as possible. I don't know if you heard, but we do have the ability to do interviews with individuals now. So, you know, things are really starting to go well here for us at Frankly Speaking. Uh, you know, obviously this podcast, we do it live, but then you listen to it on tape. So it wouldn't be where you would be able to call in yet and ask questions. We're still going to try to do that feature. But anyone that ever, you know, wants to come on the show and possibly talk about their sports teams, whether you live in New England or Kansas City or Tampa or L.A., you know, if you email me at frankly528 at gmail.com, if we have something good to talk about, I'd love to put you on the show interview you a little bit, uh, talk to you about your teams down where you're living. So once again, you can contact us or message us at franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. You can also go to, we have a Twitter page, at Larry Frankis. So please, please, I ask that you all follow us. If you have a Twitter account, Please follow us. A lot of good information. I try to update you with as much as possible when I get reports from Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter or even Mark Topkin, uh, Steve Carney of the Tampa Bay Rays. So, you know, 
please, please contact me. And we also have a Facebook page. Frankly speaking, look for my face. You'll be able to tell there's a couple of different frankly speakings out there, but look for the sports talk one. And, you know, we'll definitely uh, do what we can to get you on. And we appreciate everything you're doing. When we come back, we're going to have a little, first we're going to talk to, not us personally, but we got to take from Robert Manfred, um, the baseball commissioner, on when he thinks the season's going to start. We'll be back right after this message. My motivation tip of the day, it's all about this. So many times when people have a little tough times, especially in pursuit of their goals and dreams, they feel sorry for themselves. That's not going to do zilch. That's not going to help you in any shape or form. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Just pick up those pieces and go to work. Perspire, sweat, get it done. Work ethic and pride. You're going to take some punches. I got knocked down several times. Are you kidding me? We all get knocked down. You got to pick it up and you got to chase your dreams and chase your goals. Don't sit there and take the hanky out and cry about things not going your way. Whining about it is not going to help you in any shape Anyway, whatsoever. I wish you all the luck in the world. Chase those dreams, baby. My motivation tip of the Just when you thought you'd never see another Cracker Jack in your life, baseball's back. Just temper your prize expectations. There rarely wins. Hey everybody, I'm Patrick Jones and welcome to Buzz 60. Opening day is upon us. Here are five of the most memorable moments. In 1946, Boston Braves fans sat in wet paint because the seats in the grandstands hadn't had enough time to dry. That'll make you choose the Red Sox over the Braves, making them move to Milwaukee real fast. In 1940, Bob Feller threw the only opening day no-no for the Cleveland Indians. He then went on to spend four years in combat duty as a gunner during World War II. Man. Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947, going 0 for 3. But that's kind of not the point. Hank Aaron of the Atlanta Braves hit his 714th home run opening day 1974, tying Babe Ruth. And Aaron got there without the Babe's performance-enhancing hot dog regimen. In 1910, William Taft was the first president to throw out an opening day pitch. Since then, every president has done it at least once during their term, except Jimmy Carter. Maybe he was nervous. I get it. There's a lot of attention on a first pitch. And that was even before memes and gifs. Buzz 60, now you know, pass it on. Welcome back to opening day, March 26th here on Frankly Speaking. You know, tell you I'm fired up. I, I got my raised hat on. I got my raised jersey on. I, I'm ready for some baseball. I'm ready for some baseball. Now, I want to know, and like everybody else wants to know, we want to know when we can possibly see baseball again. Well, here's a conversation with Robert Manfred that might give us at least a little bit of indication. Uh, with a credible number of games, um, I, I think we should have a postseason. As you prioritize what's important to hope to get, what, what does that look like in terms of the priorities for the schedule once you're able to get back? 
Well, I, I think we need to have um, a regular season uh, with a credible number of games. Um, I, I think we should have a postseason format that focuses on providing the most possible entertain, entertaining product uh, to our fans at a very, very difficult time in our history. And uh, overall, I think our goal is to play as many baseball games as we possibly can, given uh, the limitations uh, associated with the public health concerns. Is there a round number for reasonable? A hundred? I mean, what's, re what's a reasonable number in your mind? Look, I, I'm, I think that um, the exact number uh, that we'll see as reasonable is going to depend on when we get to go ahead to play. Of course. Um, I don't have some absolute number in my mind um, that's a make or break. I think we have to evaluate the situation. I also think that we need to be creative in terms of what the schedule looks like, what the postseason format looks like. You know, obviously our fans love um, a 162-game season and the postseason format that we have. Um, we're probably not going to be able to do that this year. I think that's clear. And it does give us an opportunity opportunity to do some different things, to experiment, and to make sure that um, we provide as many games as possible and as entertaining a product as possible. Okay, so that was Robert Manfred, baseball commissioner on Scott Van Pelt. Um, that actually was an interview that Scott had done last night. So hopefully we'll be getting back to baseball soon. You know, the latest I'm hearing, and I reported this two days ago on my podcast, is towards the end of May, they're looking at players taking roughly three weeks, uh, probably a week of conditioning, and then two weeks of games before they can get back into baseball shape. Um, so I'm talking about opening day. You know, I got three moments that I, I remember. One, I vaguely remember because I was young, but I do remember. But the first one happened in 1986. I was a sophomore in college. And I don't know how many of you remember this name. But let's find out. One thing I would like to say is, you know, he is a designated hitter, and you know, let's give him a, let's give him a chance in Toronto. And I think the fans there, because of what he has given the fans, what the fans have given him, you know, deserves an opportunity at the start of 1988. George Pornow has done his talking with his bat. 47 home runs last year. Breaking ball, left center field. Wilson gets a slow start. That ball is another one. Gone. George Bell, consecutive home runs. Three to two, Toronto. Go after it. Your first baseman gets a late start. Your pitcher's got a... Oh, oh my and God. Here comes the third, but if it stays fair, and it does. Bell has burned Brett Saberhagen of the Royals today. This is one of the all-time opening day shows, folks. Yes, it was. George Bell of the Toronto Blue Jays hits three home runs. Okay. Uh, or Brett Saberhagen and the Toronto Blue Jays won. I still remember that day. And George Bell has not been the only one to ever hit three home runs in an opening day. But for some reason, George Bell the year before had 47 homers. He was a power beast for the Toronto Blue Jays. 
And I remember him hitting those three home runs. So that's number three on my list. Number two on my list, I was a baby. Let, let me explain this to you. This happened in 1974. I was eight years old at the time. And the year before, my dad, rest in peace, uh, took me to my first baseball game in 1973. It was the Mets versus the Braves. And I actually, at that time, I'm a young kid. I was a little tortured between which team I liked better, the Braves or the Mets. I think I used to like the Braves when I was uh, like five, six years old because of their uniforms or something. Or because of Hank Aaron. I think they had Ralph Gar on the team as well. And I remember some of these players... And my dad takes me to the game, and my first game is at Shea Stadium in Flushing, New York. And I'm watching the Mets and the Braves. So that was my first game, and it just so happens on opening day of the next year, Babe Ruth's home run record would be tied with this shot. 3-1 pitch. There's a drive into left field. That ball is going, going, and out of here. Henry Aaron has just tied Babe Ruth in the all-time home run parade. The crowd is up. As you would expect, a standing ovation. His teammates are there to greet him. A three-run blast by Henry Aaron has tied the great Babe Ruth. The record they said that couldn't be reached has just been reached by Henry Aaron. Yes, it was. And obviously, I think it was April, April 8th of Downing. Um, I don't know if it was the next night or what, but he would actually break the record and become, at that time, the home run king. Obviously, Barry Bonds is now the home run king. So that was number two. Now, no, my first memorable moment, you know, and of course, like I said, me and my wife do go to, since we've been married, we go to home openers, you know, opening day at the ballpark. But before we got together, my son and I went to the first opening day that we have had been to. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays, and I believe it was 2012. So I'm going back in time, and I remember sitting there. We're sitting on the third, the third baseline, 300 level, and if you ever watch the game in the trop, the 300 level is great seats. It's not like being at Yankee Stadium where you're just a couple of feet away from the moon. This is like actually down low, and you, you really have good seats. And we were like just on the third base side of home plate. And CC Sabathia, I think, was pitching. Don't quote me on that. But um, bases are loaded. Um, first inning, actually. Um, and it's a full crowd. And Carlos Pena comes up to bat. And I look at my son, I said, he's going to do this. Now, understand, Carlos Pena was previously with the Rays, left, and they had just signed him in the offseason. So this was a comeback to Tampa Bay for Carlos Pena. 
I remember the pitch, and I called it in the stands. I'm looking out because sometimes I'll be at a baseball game. I know it's foolish, but I'll actually do play-by-play while I'm at the game. And all of a sudden, I go, here's the pitch. The deep level. And then, my buddy Dwayne Stats had a very similar call. right now, I have never, ever in my life, and I've been to over hundreds of Rays games at the drop, never, ever have I heard that place so loud. It, it was unbelievable. It was so freaking loud. It would have broke any decimal bar. It was incredible. It just... It, it gives me chills just talking about it, and I still love listening to Dwayne Stats call it over and over again. So those are my three that really stick out to me. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what to expect and what are my predictions when the 2020 baseball season begins. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank. Uh, I want to remind you all that if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to speak to me about or would like me to discuss um, on my podcast, you can go to franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. I would ask you all to please follow me on my Twitter page. If you have a Twitter account, you're listening to these podcasts, please go to at Larry Frankis. That's with the U.S. at the end, Frankis, uh, on my Twitter page. And I got a Facebook page, Frankly Speaking. So a lot of different ways. Also, there's a message link here that uh, you can go ahead and, uh, you know, leave messages on. Um, Once again, I want to thank everyone. Uh, in the next segment of our show, our last segment, we're going to talk about once the baseball season does start, what is Larry's predictions? And I'm going to go a little bit by, you know, I already have who I think is going to win. I also have my surprise team. So we're going to start, you know, let's start out with the American League, the American League East. What used to be, and I say used to be the toughest division in baseball. I don't think it is anymore, and I'll tell you who I do think is in a few moments. But, you know, everybody the last couple of years has been saying the Yankees in Boston, the Yankees in Boston, and the Rays may be a wild card. You know, this year, if you want to let's look at it, 
Boston is not a good team anymore. And it's not being hard on the Red Sox. It's a fact. They lost Mookie Betts. They lost David Price. Lost a couple other players. Um, Chris Saley uh, is having Tommy John surgery. So they lost two starting, great starting pitching. Um, I don't see them battling the Yankees and the Rays in that division. I actually figured the Orioles will end up last in that division, which I think is no surprise to anyone. But the Red Sox, I believe, will come in fourth. I think the Toronto Blue Jays are going to take go past the Red Sox and finish in third place with that bunch of young teams with Guerrero and Biggio and Bichette. Those guys, you know, a little bit of pitching here and there. They're going to be a good team in the future. Then you get down to those last two teams, and, and I, I really highlight the American League East and the National League East. Obviously, I'm an American League East fan. I'm a Rays fan. Everyone knows that. And in the National League, I grew up a Mets fan. So um, I do tend to highlight those divisions more. Um, I will tell you that my belief, I don't think the Yankees are going to be healthy enough. And I know people say, well, they weren't healthy enough last year. And look what they did. I just don't see it. Now with Jermaine uh, gone, um, and, you know, who knows with Judge. He says he's feeling better. Who knows if Stanton can last more than a week. There's just a lot of issues on that team from a health standpoint. And, uh, you know, we don't know how long the season's going to be, which probably benefits the Yankees a little bit more. Um, but I think the Rays are going to win that division. If you look... If you look at who has the best pitching in that division, it's by far the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Rays, it's starting three. You know, people go, wow, they have the best starting three. They may have the best starting five in baseball. If you look at Glassdale, Morton, and Snell are the three. Then you got Chirinos and Yarborough, two terrific pitches. Um, and who knows? You never know what the Rays might do if they may pick up a Matt Harvey off the wire down the road. So, you know, I honestly think the Rays are going to win that division. Now, last year, Tampa Bay won 96 games. The Rays won 103, and Boston won 84. So, you know, pretty much, I think the only difference in that division is going to be Toronto, who won 67 games last year. You know, these players on that team are developing a little bit, and I think they're going to win that. Uh, Minnesota and Cleveland's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. You know, Minnesota keeps, I mean, they got the most home runs last year in that division. Um, you know, I um, they still got some great pitching. Um, I, I, I picked them to win that division. Um then you got Houston in that division in the West. Uh, you know, a lot of questions. Houston has a lot of pressure on that. Um, you know, we haven't heard much lately because of the coronavirus about all the cheating with them. And now I heard, just if you did not know, uh, breaking news last night that the commissioner is done, has completed the investigation of the Boston Red Sox cheating scandal. 
and he wants to wait until baseball resumes before he announces the findings of that. So that's already in there. It's in an envelope sealed, ready to be read once baseball starts. So we'll see what happens there. Now, the toughest division in Major League Baseball right now has to be the NL East. Yes, the Mets just lost Syndergaard, but they have a great young team. Will they win the division? No, but they got a great young team. Philadelphia, not only Bryce Hopper, but now they got a great coach. They added pitching. Uh, Joe Girardi is going to really make things happen on a team that I thought underachieved last year with only 81 victories. Then you got the Braves. And you also got the Nationals. I, I see Miami finishing at the bottom. Um, as far as, I, I think Atlanta wins that division. And Atlanta, won, a lot of people don't remember because Washington won the World Series that the Atlanta Braves actually won that division by four games over the Nationals last year. And then the Nationals went on to win the wild card. So um, that, that's my pick. So I take the Braves there. Um, another tough division National League Central. Can the Cubs do it? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I was telling you that, uh, I'm sorry. Going back to the East, my dark horse pick of the baseball season is the Philadelphia Phillies. If you want to watch out for a team that may surprise people, although they are not my pick to win the World Series, but I think the surprise team, if there's going to be one, could be the Philadelphia Phillies. So watch out for the Phillies. Even though I'm not picking them, I still think that they're going to battle. Um, in the Central, you know, always seems to uh, come down to St. Louis, Milwaukee, and the Cubs. Watch out for the Reds. Reds are getting a good little ball club over there in Cincinnati. And they were much improved last year. I believe they had 75 wins, so they weren't quite 500, but I think they'll be over a 500 team this year. Then, you know, it's hard to beat the Cardinals. I, you know, the Cardinals are one of those teams to me. It's kind of like, you know, people in the NFL say, never count Bill Belichick out. Never count the Patriots out. Well, in the previous years anyway. Um, that's how it is with the Cardinals. They always seem... They don't have necessarily big, huge name players at every position, but they always seem to find a way to win. So I'm taking the Cardinals over there. And in the West, I don't think there's a question. You know, I don't see that. I, I really don't think there's any team uh, that can catch the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think the battle in that division is for second place. I mean, Arizona, San Francisco, Colorado, and San Diego, you know, that, that's just a battle between second. Arizona has a good team as well, but I don't think now with the additions of, uh, you know, Mookie Betts and David Price and some other additions in Los Angeles, I don't think anybody in the National League is going to catch that team who won 106 ball games last year. So... 
That gets us to our... I'm not going to go through the whole playoffs, but I will tell you who my World Series pick is. Okay? I am picking the Tampa Bay Rays versus the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 2020 World Series. And I'm picking the Tampa Bay Rays to win it because of the picture. The only problem that could keep the Tampa Bay Rays from winning the World Series is somewhere speaking. Either before or at the beginning of the season, they're going to have to identify a closer. They got a terrific bullpen, but Alvarado is not the answer. So once they do that, that team is going to be dominant. We'll be back right after this message from our local stations. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I want to thank everybody today for joining us. Hopefully I was able to enlighten you with a little bit of opening day and get you in the mood for some Major League Baseball. Um, once again, we've been doing very well with our podcast. I love to start doing some interviews, which I now have the access for. So we're going to keep trying and trying to get guests as often as we can to be on the show. We just had the technology. We're growing fast. People are starting to listen to us more. Um, I ask that all of you please share this. Um, not just share it, but tell friends to listen to it as well. Uh, you know, and once again, any comments, thoughts, concerns, topics you want us to talk about, you can go to franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. Please, if you have a Twitter account, follow me on Twitter. I put all my podcasts and I even update as much as possible. I don't do every little thing, but I, I think it's something important. Or I have followers that are interested in it. Uh, topics that I'll get sent from Ian Rappaport, uh, Adam Scheffner, um, Ken Rosenthal, uh, any of those type individuals. When I get it, I love to pass it on to you. And I also got, frankly speaking, a page on Facebook as well as a message link here. I want to thank you all so much for listening to me today, and we'll speak to you again tomorrow on Frankly Speaking.